Welcome to episode 130 of TNT Sports Talk. Today is Thursday, July 18th. As always, we are presented by D's Home Cuts. I am your host, Travis Karczewski. Thanks for listening in today. We have a huge show for you. As promised on Tuesday's show, we're going to do a full MLB uh, trade deadline review, predictions, all of this stuff. We're going to get into all of it. Plus, we have a bunch of football stuff to talk about, a little bit of basketball, my dog just walked in right now, um, so we're just going to let her click to the bed, and then we'll get started here. So we have a ton of stuff, like I said, to talk about. We're going to start with football, we're going to go to a little bit of basketball, and then we're going to do our baseball trade deadline predictions, reviews, breakdowns, all this stuff to get you ready for that July 31st MLB trade deadline, which is a little bit under two weeks away, so we're getting close to that. Um, so let's just get into it. Let's just start with football. I mean, we haven't kicked off the show with football in a very, very long time, but I am more than ready to do so because we are officially 49 days away from Packers Bears kicking off the NFL season Thursday night game. It's going to be one of the funnest experiences of my life. Packers Bears, those games are so much fun anyways. Um, but the fact that we get to kick off the NFL's hundred seasons, is amazing. When we get the first crack of football, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you look at it, we are like two weeks away, not even. We're like a week away almost from training camps opening up. The Falcons and the Broncos, they're playing in the Hall of Fame game. Their rookies have already reported, and training camp is going to open up for them very soon. In fact, next weekend, me and Truman are going to Green Bay uh, with our family. We're going to visit family in Milwaukee, and then next Saturday, we're going up to Packers training camp. We do this once a year, and we're going to be able to watch them run around. It's going to be so much fun. I mean, you could smell when you walk outside. You can smell the air. You know, anybody who's ever played football, you know, it's high school, middle school, college, whatever. You smell that morning air, and it just reminds you of like training camp practice two days. And for some of you, it gives you PTSD. You know, you. You smell that smell, and all you can remember is walking onto that field, that high school football field, you know, at 8 a.m., getting ready to just get your butt kicked for the next couple of hours. And it just reminds you of football, and you're just so ready for it. I mean, I wish football started today, but we have to wait, and we have to get training camp out of the way. And honestly, training camp is one of the funnest experiences. And the NFL, Vic Fangio talked about it yesterday. Um, he said a big reason as to why the NFL has been successful the last couple of years is because more and more teams are doing training camps in their hometowns or around their hometowns. They're not going to colleges anymore like they used to because when you go to colleges, you know, they used to do it in the old days. They would do training camps at colleges that were sort of far away. Um, it's more difficult for fans to get there. But they also had to do these colleges because they needed, you know, the dorms. They needed the cafeteria, all this stuff. They didn't have the ability to do it around their stadium. They didn't have the practice field for it. But now – um, with the NFL growing the way it has, the money that's been put into it, a lot of these teams have, you know, all they need, all their training camp needs, you know, close to or at their stadium like the Packers do. I mean, the Packers, their training camp field is literally, you know, maybe 200 yards from their stadium, maybe a little bit longer. It's right there. Um, the players, they stay at a college, which is like right down the road. And 
it's just so much fun. I love training camp. Once you get training camp out of the way, though, you're fully ready for football. Training camp just sort of is the perfect way to ease you into it. And then we go into preseason, which is another way to ease you into it. And then we're finally, you know, we get the roster cuts out of the way, which are a lot of fun. And then we get into football. The NFL, like I said multiple times, the NFL does such a great job at you know, getting you through the off season. There are some dead points in the off season that sort of suck. You know, I'd say that June, May to June, you're coming off that draft high. May and June sort of suck. You know, early July sort of sucks. But then you're right there because I mean they extend it pretty well. Because as soon as the fo- as soon as uh, you know, Super Bowl's over, they you know, we start talking about free agency. And then free agency hits, and then it's full on draft time. And then the draft hits, and then you get a little bit of a dead spot. And then training camp is right there, and I just simply cannot wait for training camp. Training camp is a great time to see how your team stacks up. It's a good time to see the rookies on the field, how they play versus the veterans, and it's just a lot of fun. But one veteran, one star that possibly will not be at training camp is Ezekiel Elliott. He has not come out and said it, but uh, people have said he has said privately to the Cowboys that he wants a new extension or he will hold out for training camp. Now, disclaimer on what I'm about to say, I love Ezekiel Elliott. For what he did on the field at Ohio State, you know, he made so many amazing memories for me as an Ohio State fan. I mean, that run versus Alabama, I mean, he was a fantastic running back in college, and I love him. I also love him in the NFL. Now, I haven't, I don't agree with what he's done off the field because he's had a lot of run-ins with law enforcement and stuff like that. Nothing too serious, but still... You know, when you have a player who is constantly getting, you know, into these sort of situations where he's getting put in handcuffs and stuff like that, you know, it's one of those where there's smoke, there's fire, and maybe he's just not mature enough yet. Like his dad said, you know, his dad coming out of college said that he's a little worried about Zeke because he feels like he's not mature enough to be a superstar, to be thrust into that superstar role. But when we've seen that over the last couple of seasons, but for what he's done, for all the crap he's done off the field, he has made up for it on the field. He's been great on the field. You know, he's had a couple suspensions, which has been a problem. Um, but other than that, he's been a great running back on the field. And the way he produces, it makes him think, you know, maybe I should be getting paid more than what I am. And honestly, he should be. If you're looking at base numbers, Ezekiel it should be getting paid more. But honestly, I think the Cowboys should just get rid of him. They should just trade him. They should get rid of him. Because if you're looking at it now, running backs in the NFL, especially star running back in the NFL has become sort of a position of, you know, luxury, not necessity, especially star running backs. Star running backs are great to have. They sell tickets, they're fun, they make highlight plays, but they're a luxury, not a necessity. That's why people, you know, Saquon Barkley is amazing, but people hate that pick. Not because Saquon Barkley isn't gonna be great. I think people are all agree that he's going to be a fantastic player. But the Giants needed a quarterback. They needed a lot more than they needed a star running back. And I think nowadays you can pick up a star, you can pick up a good serviceable running back that's going to run the offense the way you want. You know, anywhere you can get him off the off of the undrafted free agent. So when you look at Philip Lindsley, he was you know an undrafted free agent. He ends up turns it around and becomes the league leading rusher, a Pro Bowl caliber player. So I think. You should trade him, and then, like I said, my three reasons, I have three reasons as to why you should get rid of him. I love him, no disrespect to him, but this is just how it works out in the NFL nowadays. One, like I said, star running backs are a luxury, not a necessity. You do not need Ezekiel Elliott to succeed in the NFL. You can more than, you know, succeed 
with you know somebody you pick up off the free agent where they picked they drafted two running backs in this draft you know the guy from Memphis and then Mike Weber from Ohio State number two reason as to why the Cowboys should trade Ezekiel Elliott because even though he's great on the field he's not so much off the field off the field he struggles to stay out of trouble he's faced multiple suspensions you know all of this stuff he's always something's always happening with Ezekiel Elliott off the field he's just not mature enough to be a superstar running back superstar athlete and then number three the Cowboys could absolutely get a ton of capital for him. Whether that be a player, somebody who could help out their, you know, whether it be their wide receiver core or whatever, somebody to add more weapons, they could use a tight end, um, or that would be draft capital. You could get a lot of draft capital for Ezekiel Elliott because he's cheap right now. I mean, obviously a team that trades for him will probably want to sign him to an extension. And, you know, he's a great player. He does so much out of the backfield. So the Cowboys, I think right now, They've had multiple, I mean, you look at it a lot, you look at, um, you know, teams moving on from star running backs, and it's worked out well in the past couple of years in the NFL level. I mean, the Steelers moved on from Le'Veon Bell, and they really didn't have that much of a drop-off with James Conner. The Cowboys decided not to pay DeMarco Murray, and now DeMarco Murray, you know, went from being a lead-leading rusher to, you know, somebody who's out of the NFL in, I don't know, four or five years. I mean, it works out to trade running backs. You go all the way back to the Cowboys when they traded Herschel Walker, which at the time was like a crazy move, but they got a ton of capital for him and they ended up turning that capital into some great players and some great, you know, memories and Super Bowls. So it works out to trade star running backs. As much as it hurts fans, fans are going to be pissed. You know, Ezekiel is going to be pissed, but it's those growing pains you have to go through if you want to win a Super Bowl. You have to get rid of these running backs, these people who think they're worth more than what they actually are if you actually look at it from an outside perspective. You know, in terms of production, Ezekiel it should be paid a lot. But you can get, you know, a little bit less production, but you can get, you know, the same amount of points, same amount of, you know, offensive yards if you were just to go with, you know, Mike Weber and that running back from Memphis. Running backs just simply are not as important anymore. And even if you go back to the playoffs, Cowboys witnessed this firsthand. You know, Todd Gurley's great. He's fun to have. But C.J. Anderson did as good of a job, if not better, in the playoffs and helped to get the Rams that playoff win. So it's really not that important. It's not that of an important position in the NFL. It's probably the least important position to have a star at in the NFL today, if you really look at it, you know, down the line, it's probably one of the least important positions. So that's my opinion on Ezekiel Elliott. I'm not sure where he goes. I'm not sure, you know, where he'd be traded to, but I just don't think he's as important as he thinks he is, or maybe some, you know, casual fans think he is. But Ezekiel is rated very high on Madden. I'm not sure what his ranking is, but I'm sure he's high. Uh, So he's happy with that. Although a lot of players are pissed about that. So let's get into that. Madden rankings came out a couple days ago and people are pretty pissed about it. Not just fans, but players. I mean, I myself am pissed that Aaron Rodgers is like the seventh best rated quarterback. That's ridiculous. Um, But some guys like Demarcus Demarcus Lawrence and Keenan Allen have all called for boycotts of the game because they hate their rating. And honestly, I'm pissed too. Like I said, Aaron Rodgers was, you know, rated way too low for me. Um, But be honest, Madden really hasn't been that great in a long time. I think most video games, most sports video games, I don't play them as much as I used to because they really haven't changed that much over the last couple years. You know, people continue to buy them just because it's Madden and there's still that mystique. 
but not, not much has changed. You know, it hasn't really gotten much different. All you really get when you buy a new Madden is like a different land, different like layout, and then you know the rookies, which are kind of cool. But really, nothing has really changed about that game. And I think these low Madden rankings, I'm going a little bit conspiracy theory here, are a way for Madden to in EA Sports in general to generate some media buzz around the game. You're gonna have a lot of people buying this game now because you know a lot of stuff's been said on social media about these rankings. People are calling them trash. And yeah, a lot of them are trash, but I mean, I probably won't be buying Madden myself. If I get it as a gift, great. You know, I love playing it. I love trying out the new Madden. But over the last couple of years, you know, once you buy it and you try it out, you realize not much is different, you know, from Madden, you know, 19 to Madden 20 or 18 to 19, whatever it is. It's not that much different. So that's just my thoughts on that. You know, I think people, this is also a victim. The Madden rankings are a victim of... You know, people are bored. They want something to talk about. There's no football on TV. You know, we're still waiting for training camps to kick off. So they need something to fill that football void. And Madden, you know, rankings did that. So we're going to move now to off-season reviews. Let me get up and shut my door real quick. But we're going to talk about some two teams in the AFC South. Wrap up the AFC South today. We'll do the AFC North or whatever next week. Um, we're going to do the Jaguars and the Titans today. We did the Colts and the Texans last show. We're going to do Jaguars and Titans. We'll start with the Jaguars. Coming off an amazing year two years ago when they reached the AFC Championship with you know one of the best, if not the best, defenses in the league. They came into this year with a lot of hype, a lot of stuff surrounding them, a lot of Super Bowl predictions. I picked them myself as a Super Bowl contender and as my Super Bowl, uh, you know, team out of the AFC. I picked them. Uh, but they had a pretty down year. It was a pretty big, you know, swing and miss on expectations last year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They t- ended up going 5 and 11. Not great. They missed the playoffs. They had a ton of uh you know, change in that organization. They benched Blake Bortles, their longtime starting quarterback for Cody Kessler. Then they went back to Bortles, back to Kessler, and they ended up releasing Bortles over the offseason. They also released their offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, who's now with the Packers. Um, and there, there's just been a lot of changes over the last couple of uh, se- uh, last couple of months for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And over the offseason, they went under they underwent more changes. Like I said, they lost Blake Bortles. They traded for Carlos Hyde middle of the season. He did nothing, so they're going to end up losing him. Deshaun Gibson, their very talented safety, they lost him to free agency, and they lost a talented receiver in Dante Moncrief on the outside. Now, the biggest move of the offseason, I think people would all agree, is the signing of Nick Foles. Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles. I'm not so sure I like this move, not only because that offensive line is shaky um, and so are the weapons around him. Nick Foles is a good quarterback. He's a decent quarterback. I'm not sure you're going to recapture the magic, which I think they're going to hope that they can get. And I think Nick Foles is going to be decent, not great. I'm betting that this is going to be sort of a swing and miss on the Jaguars because I really don't trust Nick Foles. Uh, they also had a Chris Conley, the talented little speedster wide receiver. I think he's going to help. And they didn't add him, but they're going to be getting him back. Marquise Lee, if you remember, he was pretty talented. He's out of USC. He's a pretty talented wide receiver who had some success in the NFL before he got hurt last year and missed the whole season. He's going to be back this year healthy, ready to go, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him. 
Now, they went into the draft with knowing that they needed a need at offensive line. Uh, they had Robinson, Cam Robinson starting left tackle, which he's been a bust his whole NFL career. It's not really going to work out there, especially when you're paying Nick Foles this much money. You want to protect you know, that much money behind your behind a good, solid offensive line. And, you know, they have some decent interior guys. Their outside guys aren't great. That's why everybody was expecting them to get a tackle in the draft. Uh, but then at their pick at number seven, they decided to go with Josh Allen, the talented pass rusher out of Kentucky. Nobody expected Josh Allen to fall all the way to seven. And when he did, I mean, I think any team would pick him up. And now he just adds to that very talented defense that still has a lot of very, very, very good players you know, all surrounding around Jalen Ramsey, who's easily the best, one of the best, if not the best corners in the league. Um, so they still have him, and you add Josh Allen to that defense, it's going to be scary good again. I mean, it had a little bit of a down year last year, you know, but I think, you know, without the expectations, I think they'll thrive a little bit. They got punched in the nose, and it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from that. Now, at seven, that was their draft pick. I had them in our mock draft taking Jawan Taylor, the talented tackle from Florida. But obviously they took Josh Allen, which I think everybody agrees was a smart move because you got to take Josh Allen if he's there at seven, if he falls that far. Um, but thankfully, I think the Jaguars were pretty happy with the fact that Jawan Taylor fell all the way back to them in the, in the second round. They were able to take Jawan Taylor and – add him to that offensive line and work with him. He's a very talented pass blocker. He struggled. He fell because of some off-the-field concerns, character issues, which I think you know they'll be able to curb that hopefully. But you're going to add him to that offensive line. So they did get better. I'm still worried about this receiving core and these weapons around Nick Foles. You know, I don't trust their wide receivers. D.D. Westbrook's pretty good. He's pretty talented. I don't trust him yet to be a number one guy, though. I don't trust... Leonard Fournette to stay healthy. He's great when he's healthy. He's usually not healthy, though, that often just because of the way he runs. And when he's healthy, when that defense is working, you could put almost anybody behind their quarterback and they'll succeed because that running game is very deadly when Leonard Fournette's fully healthy. You know, their offensive line's a little bit better. And I think, you know, the wide receivers can do enough and their quarterback can do enough to make this team pretty good. So. This team can go at can go pretty high, I think, as the playoff seed, and I think they could go very low, all depending on how those weapons perform and how Nick Foles performs. I'm gonna go with nine and seven. I think the uh, Jaguars will be better this year. I think Nick Foles will start all 16 games, which will be huge for them, and I just think they'll have a better season overall. So I'm gonna go nine and seven with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's go now to Tennessee, Tennessee Titans. 9-7 and seven last year, barely missed out in the playoffs, just barely. But with first-year coach Mike Vrabel, I think they got as much out of Mike Vrabel as they wanted. And I think they're very happy with their coaching hire with Mike Vrabel. Over the offseason, they lost a little bit, not a lot. They lost Matt LaFleur to the Packers, their offensive coordinator. I think that's going to hurt, honestly. And then they lost Brian Arakpo, who was sort of a staple on defense the last couple of years. He retired. But what they added... What they lost, they more than made up for in the in the uh, free agency market. They added Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. We'll get to that in a second. They added Roger Saffold on that offensive line. Now you can make a case that the Tennessee Titans have one of the most talented offensive lines in the NFL. They added Cameron Wake as a pass rusher. He replaces a Rackpo, and you can make the case even at age 37, Cameron Wake is still one of the best, if not 
you know, a top 10, top 15 pass rusher in the NFL. He's more than going to make up for the loss to Brian Arakfro. And then they added Humphreys from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the talented slot receiver who's going to help them out a lot. Then you go to the draft. They took a little bit of a project, a little bit of a risk on Jeffrey Simmons, the talented defense alignment from uh, Mississippi State, I believe. Jeffrey Simmons is pretty good. Uh, if he was if he was healthy during the draft process, he tore his ACL. He would have been probably a top ten pick. They were able to get him a little bit later, and I think that's going to help them out a lot because I think in a couple years he's going to be a force. And then, top it all off in the second round, they were able to draft AJ Brown. Who AJ Brown, if not for you know draft experts to completely swing and miss on what teams wanted, he would have been a first round pick. But they were able to get him in the second round. So now that wide receive core, you know, features AJ Brown, Adam Humphreys. Uh, Corey Davis, who we're still waiting on coming up, and he's been slowly getting better and better and better and better. Then you got Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. That is a very talented plethora of weapons for uh, Mike Vrabel and Mariota to work with. Again, the biggest question mark, though, with the Tennessee Titans is Marcus Mariota and his health. This is the final year of his contract. This is the make-it-break-it year for Marcus Mariota. When healthy, he has shown... A lot of flashes, and he has been pretty, pretty good. And he's been—I think he can take this team to the playoffs if he's healthy. They need him to stay healthy. That's the biggest thing. Now, I think it's a little bit easier this year if he does go out with injuries, because I think Ryan Tannehill is the one of, if not the best backups in the NFL. I think you can put him right up there. I think he's going to fill, you know, a hole if Marcus Mariota gets hurt. I think he's going to fill that pretty well. And I think if Marcus Mariota, let's say something happens, he misses two, three games. If Ryan Tannehill goes out there and starts, I could see him performing very well, well enough to where he could take the starting job for Marcus Mariota, which would be devastating to them. But this is the year where the Titans decide, you know, are we going to move on from Marcus or are we going to commit to him long-term as our franchise quarterback? And he's got to stay healthy to do that. Now, for me, I do not trust Marcus Mariota to stay healthy. And I think we're going to have a whole season again where he's healthy, one week and then injured the next week. So I think they're going to be worse this year. They had a really good free agency period. I think their defense is going to be better. But with Marcus Mariota being injured, you know, I think with Matt LaFleur leaving, that's going to hurt. I think their offense is going to take a dip. I don't trust. They have talented receivers and weapons. And I don't think, though to be honest, I don't think Marcus Mariota is going to be able to get the ball to these talented wide receivers. And I don't think Derrick Henry is going to be as good as he was last year without Matt LaFleur. I think Matt LaFleur's schemes helped him out a lot. So I think they're going to finish last in this division. That's going to be my biggest uh, bold prediction. I think they'll go 6-10 and 10 and miss the playoffs and completely tear it down with their quarterback position, get rid of Marcus Mariota, and get ready to draft a quarterback next year in the NFL draft. But that's it for football. That's all I wanted to touch on with that. Um, Let's move now to some basketball, but let's do our ad read first. Uh, Since 2014, Dee's Home Cuts has been providing professional haircuts to everybody around Northeast Ohio at a low price. For only $10, Dee's Home Cuts will provide you with a modern haircut and styling. Cheapest haircut you'll find around, Dee's Home Cuts is easily the best place to get a haircut. 
in Northeast Ohio. $10, cheapest haircut you'll find, and easily the best haircut you can get. Go search him on Instagram, at Dee's Home Cuts. There's a bunch of videos of the cuts he's done. Um, school's coming up. We're, we're getting into that back-to-school season. You're going to want to get a fresh cut for school to make sure you're drawing all the attention on the first day. You know, you got your new school clothes. What way? What better way to pair the new school clothes, new shoes, new school supplies than with a fresh haircut from Dee's Home Cuts? Me, Truman, 90% of the guests have had haircuts at Dom's, and trust me, we are lifetime clients, and we have never looked better. I would not support Dom if you know his haircuts were crap. They're not. They're great. They're amazing. Trust me. Trust these home cuts. Go on his Instagram. Send him a DM. Set up an appointment, and trust me, you will not be disappointed. These home cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. All right, let's talk a little basketball. On Tuesday's show, I said uh, we talked about um, the Thunder trade for Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul, and I said I didn't expect the Thunder to. Start the season with Chris Paul. Now, there's been growing speculation lately over the last couple days that the Thunder will actually start the season with Chris Paul as their starting point guard. And there's a main reason behind that, and that's because Chris Paul's disastrous contract. It's about $42 million over the next couple of seasons. It's a lot of money for somebody who is slowly out of their prime and is somebody who's not who hasn't been healthy lately and also somebody who probably won't give you as much as he gave you know, the Clippers, the Rockets, or even the Hornets way back in the day. Um, so apparently they have a deal on the table with Miami. Miami wants Chris Paul. Chris Paul wants to go to Miami. Um, I'm not really sure how that would work out with Jimmy Butler, but they would just run it, see what, how it would work out. So a couple years ago, I'm not really sure. I couldn't find the deal, but I guess something happened, some sort of deal, where Miami traded two first-round picks to the Thunder um, for somebody. I'm not sure what the deal was. Uh, but these two first-round picks are still out there. They were, you know, way down the line picks. And Miami is willing to take on Chris Paul and his disastrous contract if they get these two first-round picks back. The thing is, the Thunder will not trade them these first two first picks. So it's looking like the Miami was the only suitor for Chris Paul. So the only way that the Chris Paul, Chris Paul, and the Thunder could sever ties um, is if Thunder would just eat the, those picks. And then Miami could just eat his contract, and they can get rid of him. But nobody else wants to do that, and the Thunder does not do not want to trade those draft picks. So we fully expect now it's slowly starting to come to fruition that Chris Paul will start the season with the Thunder, and then they'll try to move him at the deadline, or you know maybe early on in the season. We'll see what happens, um, but it could be kind of a disaster for the Thunder um, if they cannot get rid of him in that pretty terrible contract. Speaking of pretty terrible, Big Baller brand is in the news lately. If you haven't heard from them in a while, that's because this company that was started by LeVar Ball, Alonzo Ball, and the Ball family has completely fallen on hard times. If you go now, to, they don't have a website anymore. It's still under construction. And the other day, there was a picture taken, posted on Twitter that went viral of a stand, I think at an AAU tournament, with Big Baller, Big Baller brand stuff. T-shirts, shoes, all this stuff. And the t-shirts are being sold for $5. So clearly this brand has fallen on hard times. Uh, you know, LeVar Ball talked a lot about this brand, said it was going to be the next big thing, all of this stuff. And, you know, you could put blame on poor business management. You could put blame on Lonzo, who hasn't been, you know, as much of a superstar as people, as LeVar sort of talked him up to be, you know, as soon as he got in the NBA. He's slowly coming around, but it's just been taking a little bit more time than he thought. And then you have the other 
LeVar Ball, son, uh, I can't remember his name. It's not LaMelo. The other one that got caught stealing sunglasses in China, he's not even in the NBA anymore. Nobody really knows where he's at. He didn't even reach the NBA. Um, he had like a one-day workout with the Lakers, and they realized he wasn't that good, so they didn't do anything with him. Um, so obviously, you know, LeVar, he's been talking a lot for somebody that this brand – Somebody he's talking a lot for somebody who hasn't done much. This brand – and it was supposed to be a big thing. He was selling shoes for like $300, $400 or something crazy like that. And then, you know, there, you knew there was problems right off the bat when people were saying that they weren't getting their shoes. And it was just, you know, a mess. So, obviously, I think Big Baller brand is slowly falling away. And it's just going to be an afterthought in, you know, 15, 20 years. You're going to be sitting at your table one day with your, you know, friends or whatever. And you're just going to remember that. And you're going to look it up and realize that, you can buy, you know, a T-shirt, big baller brand T-shirt online on eBay for like three dollars. So, it's pretty much over. You know, which sort of sucks because you know they did try to go toe to toe with Nike and all this stuff, and it just didn't work out because Levar Ball and that mess that you know he created over there. But we're sticking in the Ball family. We're talking to, uh, we're talking about Lonzo Ball. Uh, yesterday or a couple days ago, the Pelicans introduced the new members of their team to the media. First of all. Brandon Ingram just simply did not look like he wanted to be there. If you saw a couple pictures of him, he just looked tired and just, like, pissed off. He really didn't look like he wanted to be there. Um, but Lonzo said something that was interesting. He said he thinks he's going to be a lot better because he thinks this offense that Alvin, Alvin Gentry runs is going to be perfectly suited for him and his game style, which is true. Lonzo Ball is a floor general player. He's not somebody who likes to sit back. He likes to push the ball. He likes to run down the court and, you know, give outlet passes, deliver, you know, nice passes to the players around him. And I think this offense is the perfect fit for him. You know, he's got Zion, who is going to be great for them, you know, in that offense, somebody he can, you know, dish the ball to. The only thing I'm worried about is maybe they have a little bit of a lack of shooters, um, which might hurt him, but he thinks this offense is going to be great for him. And then obviously you got Drew Holiday, who's going to, he, who is going to help to teach Lonzo, you know, how to play the game. I think Drew Holiday is going to be a great mentor for him. So I think this was a great deal for him as well. You know, it worked out for him. Um, but sticking in New Orleans, uh, we're pretty much strictly talking about New Orleans for the rest of the NBA segment. Uh, Charles Barkley said an interesting quote the other day. He said he, th- he does not think Zion, he says he cannot play at 280 pounds and he's going to need to lose weight. So a lot of people have been talking about this lately. You know, in college, Zion Wilmotson just used his weight and just pushed people around. You're not going to be able to do that in the NBA. These are grown men. These aren't kids. Um, Zion's always been a little bit big. I think people always thought you know, he's a big guy, but um, he does look like he has been putting on a little bit more weight than you know what is ideal for him and his body frame. So people are sort of getting nervous about Zion and his weight. Um, and obviously, being in New Orleans, I mean, Colin Coward said it yesterday. New Orleans, I mean, their culture of their city is their food. They have great food there. That's southern food. It's not the healthiest food in the world, probably right up there with the least healthiest food in the world, but it's the pride of their city. And now Zion's their guy. He's their big superstar, and they're going to want to treat him well. So there's going to be a lot of offers for him to go eat free at places or go try this food, try this food, and he's going to have to stick to his diet and his nutritionist game plan and stay away from that if he wants to succeed long-term in the NBA, which I think, you know, 
he will because over the course of an NBA season, it's almost impossible to keep weight on. Um, so it's going to be the off season where he is going to face the most challenges. That's why I think maybe it would be a good idea for him to get out of New Orleans during the offseason, go someplace where he can focus on his diet and his workouts. Um, because if he stays in New Orleans, that's going to be the toughest time because people are just going to pressure him all up and down the world, all up and down you know, the city to eat their food and eat all this southern fried stuff. So it makes make sense for him to go ahead and leave during the offseason and try to focus on his diet a little bit more. But we will certainly see what happens with him. I mean, he's gonna he can keep it off during the season. It's pretty much impossible to keep weight on in the season. You know, I know a lot of NBA players have said that like you're naturally just gonna lose weight over the the season because you can't really go out that much as much as people think because you got to be up for you know shoot around at 9 a.m. You're traveling game to game. When you get off the plane, you're tired. You don't really want to go out and eat. You just grab something fast that the nutritionist prepared prepare for you and you just eat that so i think in the season he'll be fine i think we'll see him slowly lose weight as the season goes um but the off season is going to be you know the biggest challenge for him now we're going to move now to baseball like i said the biggest thing on the show today is going to be our mlb player trade deadline review we're going to give you i got about 12 13 guys here that i think will be traded at the deadline now we're going to do some standings first, though, because it's Thursday. We haven't done this in a while. We need to check in on the standings. Uh, we've been about, what are we at, almost a week, two weeks uh, past the All-Star break, and we're going to check in on the standings. So we go with the AL East. The Yankees are still leading that division um, by six games. The Rays are right there, and the Red Sox are right there, too. You know, they're nine and a half games out, but they've when seven and three in their last ten, they've been slowly getting better. Um, they got An- Andrew Kashner from the Orioles. He's going to put in that rotation. So the Red Sox, you know, they're always a team that no matter how far they're out, you're always nervous about them because they can always bounce back as quickly as they go away. Um, so watch that division, AL East, AL Central, getting a lot tighter right now. The Twins are still leading it by only four games, though. I know they took two out of three from the Indians. But the Indians have won four straight games. They're eight and two in their last ten, and the Twins are five and five, and they've lost three straight games. So the Twins are slowly starting to fall, like I said they would. I said they're going to come down to earth a little bit. Their offense and their pitching has been inflated over this first half. Nobody predicted it. Nobody expected it to happen, and now we're seeing why. It's slowly coming back down to earth. So the Indians, they're right there. Um, I think they're close enough to where you could make an argument that they need to start getting some pieces in that building then we'll go to the al west that division is getting close in itself as well the oakland athletics are only four and a half games back of the astros who looked like that was the safest division lead in baseball you know a couple weeks ago but the astros have went five and five in their last 10 meanwhile the athletics have went eight and two in their last 10 and they've won six straight so that division's getting tight and we didn't expect that to happen but it's getting very 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 tight then we'll go to the nl the NL East, the Braves are still leading that division by six and a half games. They've had a good week, you know, seven out of three. Seven wins, three losses in their last ten. Then we'll go to the NL Central, which is slowly starting to build a little bit more uh, stability there. The Cubs are leading that division by two and a half games. Uh, then the Reds, who were four and a half games back, I believe, like two weeks ago, they've went four and six in their last ten, and they're now seven and a half back. Um, so that division is still tight. You know, 
Um, Cubs are leading it. Brewers are two and a half back. Cardinals are three games back, and the Pirates are six and a half, and the Reds are seven and a half. So it's still tight. I think any team could still win this division, but like I said, uh, it's getting tight. It's getting not tight. It's getting um, a little bit looser, I guess you could say. And then we'll go to the NL West. Uh, Dodgers are leading that division by fourteen games. Not much has changed there, um, and I think the Dodgers you know, are going to win this division easily. So that's it for standings updates. Again, the Indians, they're making a push here late in the season, getting ready for that second half. They're, they're coming around a little bit. You know, Their players are starting to play a little bit better. Jose Ramirez is coming around at the plate, which if he even returns to 75% of his MVP form, this Indians team is going to be pretty dangerous. So watch out for that. Let me take a sip of water, and let's get into our next segment. So, the MLB trade deadline. Like I said, I told you guys, I didn't know when the deadline was. I looked it up for you. It's July 31st. So, in a couple weeks here, um, not next Wednesday, the Wednesday after that, that's the trade deadline for the MLB. And then things are going to start to happen soon. Players are going to start to be moved. It's going to happen fast. So, right now, I have about one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, like I got about 10 to 11 guys. I'm not, I can't really, I, my list is not numbered. So I got 10 to 11 guys here that I think are going to be traded, and I'll tell you why. Um, I, I started the first two with some destinations, but I realized, I mean, honestly, any of these guys can go anywhere. You know, any contenders who think they're worth it. And there's always a surprise team during this period that just starts to go for it that we didn't expect them to go for it, but they just, go all in. So I'm not sure what that team will be, but definitely we'll see that within the next coming weeks. Um, but let's just get in right into the list. We'll start with Madison Baumgarten, who I think is the most attractive starting pitcher on the market. He is $12 million. You got to pay him for the last year of his contract. You know, it's a, he's a rental player. You're basically just getting him for what he did in the playoffs the last couple of years. Easily you could make a case as being one of the best He's, he's the best postseason pitcher of my generation, and you can make a case, you can put him right up there with some of the all-time greats as the best postseason pitcher of all time. He's had 16 appearances in the postseason, 8-3 and three record with a 2-11 ERA. Then you go to the World Series. He is 4-0 with the world, in the World Series with a .25 ERA. He has been lights out in the postseason. Now, teams like the Twins, the Yankees, and the Brewers who are looking for rotation guys, Madison Bugbarner is one of the most attractive names out there. He is going to go into the playoffs. Something happens with him when he gets to the playoffs. He flips on this sort of switch, and he just absolutely dominates. And I think you know, $12 million isn't that much to pay from somebody who's going to absolutely dominate for you in the World Series. So he's going to be easily an attractive name. I got a lot of San Francisco Giants on here, and there were a lot that didn't make the list. Uh, I think we're going to see the Giants absolutely shred this team down to its roots um, over the next couple of weeks. So make sure you watch out for that. Next, we'll go to our other starting pitcher. There's a lot of starting pitchers on here. Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman is a fan favorite in Toronto. He's the first-time All-Star this year, but he's already been told by the Blue Jays organization that he is not going to be a part of the future, you know, in the future plans. He's okay with that. Uh, he's a big personality guy. He's got a big chip on his shoulder. He's confident. Some would even say he's confident to the point where he's a little arrogant, 
but I think a lot of people love his cocky swagger on the mound. Uh, he loves pitching on big stages. He hasn't really had much experience in the playoffs, but he's going to draw some interest again from those teams, Twins, Yankees, Brewers, teams that need a starter. Marcus Stroman is going to be um, a great piece for them. And he's going to he's gonna sell tickets. He's going to sell a lot of tickets because he's fun to watch. Um, pitch. So watch that. Next guy, somebody might not know, Matthew Boyd. He's a big lefty for the Tigers. He's a starting pitcher. The reason is he doesn't have a great ERA. And he hasn't been like lights out fantastic like Stroman or Baumgartner. Um, but he has a pretty good slider, and he has a really good walk-to-strikeout ratio. The reason why, though, he is going to get a lot in return, some people would even say he's going to get the most in return, not because he's a good, solid left-handed pitcher with a really good slider, um, but because he has the most control out of all these guys on the list. Uh, most control out of most of these guys on the list. There's one more guy at the end who has you know, a pretty good amount of control, too. He's got three years left on his contract. So a team, you know, once you get him, he's going to be there for the next couple of years, and he's going to grow. And that's why I think he's going to get a lot in return for the Tigers. Next starter is Zach Wheeler for the Mets. Now listen, Zach Wheeler, again, he has a 469, 4.69 ERA, um, but he's going to draw a lot of attention because his fastball reaches over 100 miles an hour. He's reached over 100 multiple times this season, and his stamina. He has pitched. He has not missed the start in over two years. So obviously he's going to draw some attention because his velocity and his stamina is something teams are going to look at. Now his ERA is a little inflated. It's a little bit misleading. It's not like he has complete crap starts. It's usually this ERA gets heightened when he has one bad inning. It's usually one bad inning for Zach Wheeler, and then he settles down and actually you know pitches pretty well. So he's going to draw some interest. Then we'll go back to the Giants. The Giants, I think Will Smith, their bullpen piece, their all-star bullpen reliever, um, is going to be traded here. I think he is almost guaranteed to be traded uh, because I think he is a rental piece. Um, and like I said, when you start to shred the team down to its roots, when you start to rebuild, usually the first thing that goes is the all-star bullpen pieces. Uh, and Will Smith's attractive as well. Because he's closed before this season, and he's done some middle setup relief. So he can do a lot of stuff. He's uh, versatile, and I think that versatility is very attractive to contenders. Um, and then we'll go to another bullpen piece, Ken Giles, the Blue Jays uh, pitcher. Now, before the All-Star break, he would have been an All-Star. He had a really good stats, and he was really, really good out of the bullpen for the Blue Jays. Now, he had a little bit of some slight nerve irritation, which is sort of concerning, but other than that, so far this season, Giles has been amazing. The only thing that I think um, would turn teams off from this, I think he's going to be a cheap piece. Um, he's going to be cheaper than what a guy like this would usually be because what's going to turn teams away is he was with the Astros last year and he had a pretty disastrous postseason with them but uh, with the last couple of years with the Astros. Now, he does have one year left of control, and he is, you know, has shown that he can be a very, very, very effective reliever. Um, so I think teams are going to be calling. Next bullpen piece you we want to talk about here is Shane Green. One second, my dad is calling me, so I'm going to pause this and get right back to you, all right? All right, sorry about that, but I am back. Let's get back to the list here. Shane Green is my next guy that's going to be traded at the deadline. He is, I don't think he's the lead league anymore, league lead anymore, but he's right up there. 22 saves with the Tigers. He made the all-star team. He is 
sort of like the prototypical Tigers trade deadline guy. Um, they signed him in the offseason, I believe, where he was you know not great with the Yankees. Um, and they signed him, and they sort of rebuilt him, and he rebuilt his career. And now he's going to be very attractive to trade at the deadline, and they'll get some good prospects for him. They've done this the last couple of years where they sign guys who to cheap contracts who you know have had success in their past, and they sign the veteran, and he does really good, and they trade him at the deadline for pieces. And that's a great way to find pieces at the deadline. Um, and they did it with Mike Fires a couple of years ago, so they, they do it a lot. So Shane Green, two, 22 saves this season, is going to be on the move at the deadline. Another Tigers player, Nick Castellanos, a very, very good offensive player who has a really good bat that would be perfect to insert in any contender's lineup. The only problem with Nick Castellanos is not only is he a rental, but his defense is pretty bad. I mean, honestly, his return won't be great because ideally Nick Castellanos should be a DH, so American League teams are probably the only teams he can be traded to. And plus, he is a rental. He has one more year left on his contract. He'll be a free agent. But his bat is pretty good. I think he's batting about 280 right now. And he's always been a really good, consistent hitter. Um, next guy, Todd Frazier. Everybody knows Todd Frazier, the former home run derby champion, Todd Frazier. Um, but really don't need him anymore. And he's batting 252 with 12 home runs. He's cheap. He's going to be attractive for contenders just because he has that power that you can sort of insert in the back of your lineup. I mean, I think you could see a team. Honestly, if I'm really making predictions, I could see the Indians going and getting Todd Frazier. They've, you know, been rumored to get him in the past when he was a free agent, when he was, you know, at the last deadline they were rumored possibly to get him. Indians, this is the type of guy the Indians like to get, and they traded with the Mets last year at the deadline to get Jay Bruce, and that worked out very well for us. Todd Frazier just seems like somebody the Indians could go and get, um, in my opinion. Next guy, Caleb Smith from the Marlins. The Miami Marlins simply do not deserve what Caleb Smith has done for them the last couple of months. He's 5-4, 3.46 ERA over 14 starts. He has been pretty, really freaking good for them. And not only is he only making $600,000 this year, so he's cheap, he is... Uh, he has a ton of control left. He doesn't even face arbitration till 2021. So he has a lot of time left. He's cheap and he's good and he's young. Teams are going to definitely be looking for him and they're going to be willing to pay a lot for him. Now, let's get into the last two players that I think are going to be traded at the deadline. Probably the two that hit home most for me. I think Trevor Bauer is going to be traded. Flat out, the Indians just do not need starting pitching. Trevor Bauer is amazing. But they have a ton of young and hungry starting pitchers that's basically just clogging up the AAA team right now in Columbus. Bauer is good. He's fun to watch. He's my favorite player on the Indians, one of them. But the Indians just need more hitting, and Bauer could get a lot of hitting for us. I saw, you know, you trade him to like the like well to the Yankees for somebody we'll talk about in a second. But you trade him to the uh, Red Sox, people were saying we could get Andrew Benintendi for him. We could get a really good, solid young hitter for somebody who has stated already that he will not sign long-term with anybody. And honestly, I just don't want to deal with that every offseason, you know, him signing one-year contract. So if we could get Trevor, ba- if we could get Trevor Bauer for Andrew Benintendi or for the next guy I'm talking about, the Indians you know, could make some noise here. At the, uh, now, obviously, Trevor Bauer has some postseason experience, which can't be understated. But we're also getting Carlos Carrasco and Corey Kluber back, who are both pretty good 
in the playoffs and have a ton of postseason experience. So the next guy, though, Clint the Redhead Frazier. Clint Frazier, if you remember a couple years ago, he was a victim of the trade deadline. Uh, a couple years ago with the Indians, they traded him and Sheffield to the Yankees for Andrew Miller. That worked out for us. And now Clint Frazier, he is a victim of a loaded New York outfield. He is clogged up. He's stuck at AAA right now. The only shot he has of reaching the majors again with the Yankees is injury. And he has a ton of talent. He's a very good young player who has some control. And he's gotten better each every single at-bat he gets. And he has shown flashes of being really, really good. And he needs some more at-bats, honestly, if you really want to get the most out of him. And that's something the Yankees just don't want to give him. Now, again, we have a connection with the Yankees. Trevor Bauer for Clint Frazier I think would be a good deal. I think the Indians would like to get a little bit more out of that. But Clint Frazier would fit perfectly with the Indians. He grew up in our farm system. Fans love him. Fans miss him. Honestly, that was a huge uh, hit to the fans when they heard out we when they heard we traded him for Andrew Miller. Obviously, Andrew Miller made up for that, you know, with his amazing you know postseason run with us. But still, we do miss Clint Frazier, and I think people have been people in Cleveland have been rooting for Clint Frazier ever since he's left. You know, all the time you see you know fans you know saying how much they miss him and stuff like that. So Clint Frazier for Trevor Bauer, maybe something else, a little sweetener that the Yankees could give us. Would make sense. But that's like 13 moves right there for players who I think are going to get moved at the deadline. And I think there's going to be, you know, a lot more, maybe a couple surprises that you could, you know, say for the trade deadline. It's going to be extremely exciting. The trade deadline, I've said it multiple times, is the funnest trade deadline in sports, the MLB trade deadline. And it's going to be interesting to see where some of these guys end up. So watch that, guys, because I'm certainly going to be. And if you don't get a chance to, you know, pay close attention to it, I'll keep you updated on all the rumors and all of the moves going on with that until July 31st. As always, guys, though, I keep you updated on every single thing else in baseball and basketball, not just baseball. But other than that, that though, that's our show today. I want to thank you to our sponsors, D's Home Cuts. He's great. Check him out, D's Home Cuts, on Instagram. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify. Um, leave us five stars. Rate, review us, subscribe so you do not miss an episode every Tuesday, every Thursday. Follow us also on Twitter, guys, at TNTSportsTalk12. That's where you can send us questions, comments, concerns. Our DMs are always open. We follow back. We respond really quickly. You will see... I tweet every Monday and every Wednesday what's going to be on the show Tuesday, Thursday, so you can get yourself ready for that. And if you want to be a guest, if you want to come on, give your take, send us a DM. Trust me, we'll get you in here and you give us your take. And if it's not dumb enough, we may even invite you back. So check us out on Twitter at TNT Sports Talk 1 2. Other than that, though, thank you for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Tune in on Tuesday. You know, maybe we will have some MLB moves that have went down. But every single weekend, there's been something crazy that goes down. So I'm sure we'll report on it on Tuesday. But thank you for listening, and have a great day, guys. Thanks.